Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. I'm, um, I'm meant to be speaking on a community of grace today, but one of the... Um, one of the issues with that is that we have our staff function this Thursday uh, where it's two uh, teams of the staff coming together um, to be highly competitive. And I didn't want to be too, um, too convicting in the lead up to it um, because two of our more senior uh, members of the, of the staff team are our team captains. Um, and so on Thursday, keep Judy and Gary in your prayers. Um, they have wonderful teams um, around them uh, but there will be um, grace, right? <laughs> Competitive grace, I believe, is the term he says. And Judy just, she's been talking all year about wanting to win. Um, and so good luck to you, Judy, and good luck to your team. Um, but we will speak a little bit on the community of grace. I laughed when I was given this passage, Hebrews 13, uh, because when I, was, um, when I first came back to church in my teen years, um, we had this, um, this guy in our life group who was wanting to be a pastor um, that we laughed at um, for that reason and many others. Um, but he, the ladies loved him, um, and he loved the ladies. Uh, he had many um, different girlfriends, um, only one at a time, but there was never much gap between um, them, right? And, and so he, he had a different, a different girlfriend, um, pretty much the first two and a half years of knowing him, and, and, and so in that regard, we all looked up to him um, and thought he was fantastic. But one day, um, he'd broken up with his girlfriend, and he didn't have another one. And we said, what's happened? I'm being very careful not to use his name. Um, what happened? What? And it's like, I was reading the Bible, and God got me, and it, and it said, treat everyone as your brother and sister. And I can't date my sister. And this was this, this period where God caught him, where he'd, he'd read scripture, um, and it, it, it changed him um, for three weeks. And, <laughs> and then he found out that actually that little interpretation was all. Anyway, we are continuing our journey today. We are on the last week of Hebrews, Hebrews 13. The encouragement of how to live uh, your life as a result of what the first 12 chapters have revealed to us about Jesus. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings, 
It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continue to offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably every day. I particularly urge you to pray that I may be restored to you soon. And so we look at this passage, we see this list of things that that the, the listeners are encouraged to do. But if we look at this passage just on its own, it becomes problematic because we could begin to develop a belief or a way of life that doing these good works is the most important thing. And as Gary said a couple of weeks back, good works are part of our Christian walk. Or perhaps they're an outworking of our Christian walk, but they aren't and shouldn't be the focus. The focus should be Jesus. The focus should be relationship with Him through His Spirit. And that's what the original recipients of this message would have been well aware of when it came to this part of the letter. Because the the receivers of the letter to the Hebrews, they didn't gather around and run through this, this book for 13 weeks going chapter by chapter. The church that it was written to, or the collection of small churches that it was written to, they would have received this letter and someone would have read the whole thing out. And so when they get to this end bit, They would have had what's been the equivalent of our last 12 weeks worth of hearing Christ is who matters, Christ is what matters, immediately before this part. Because without that, without the Christ is what matters and Christ is who matters, we fall into the same trap that the original listeners were seeing their community fall into. The same trap God's people fell into all throughout the Old Testament, the same trap the Pharisees fell into that we can work our way into salvation, that we can earn our way into salvation, that we are good enough on our own if we just follow the rules that are written. And so before we look into some of the examples about what God is calling his people to live like, who God is calling his people to be, let's remember how we are empowered to live this way. We are empowered through Christ's Spirit. Because as Hebrews has taught us over and over again, Christ is supreme. Christ is the one through whom the universe was created. Christ is higher than the angels. Christ is God's Son. Christ is eternal. Christ cleanses us from our sin. Christ radiates God's own glory. Christ expresses the very nature of who God is. Because Christ is God. 
Without the hope that Christ has set in our hearts, none of this matters. Without Christ transforming us through his spirit, we cannot love each other as we are called to do. Without Christ empowering us through his spirit, we cannot begin to do the good things that have been set apart for us in advance. And so remember, Christ is supreme. Christ is eternal. Christ cleansed us from our sin. Christ radiates God's own glory. Christ expresses the very nature of who God is because Christ is God. And so because of that, because of who he was, because of who he is, and who he will continue to be for all eternity, we are invited, we are empowered to live this different style of life than the life that a society lives that doesn't know Jesus yet. The writer of the Hebrews finished with these instructions to the community, and, and their instructions to our community, their instructions for us today to be and continue to be community. Just as the original readers were empowered to band together and not fall away from the teachings of Christ, so we are urged to band together, to be community, to come together, to turn away from the individualism that, that our society thrives, craves, maybe is probably a better word than thrive, craves to come together as a community of grace that gives up things for each other, that points towards Jesus, because that's who matters. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. I got to this verse and had a chuckle, as you know, and wanted to think of a different story uh, to highlight the love of brothers and sisters. And so do I tell you about bedtime at our house when, when Brady runs into the room with a big smile and asks Lexi for a cuddle? And Lexi says, do you want a big cuddle? And he's like, yeah. And he runs at her and she picks him up. And there's this wonderful picture of loving like a brother and sister. But to tell that story, I have to ignore that four minutes before, she has kicked him out of the room because he's really bugging her. Can I lock the door, Daddy? I don't want him in here. And so it's not the best picture. The problem is that in the original text, it doesn't actually say love like a brother and sister. How do people who don't have brothers and sisters know what that looks like? How do people who don't uh, see the goodness and, and, and the, the importance that family does, how do they know what that looks like? And so I went to other scriptures. I went to the NRSV because I have to for my thesis at the moment and, and say, what is, it, what is it looking like? It says, let mutual love continue. We get mutual love, love between each other, love that sacrifices a little bit and receives sacrifice in return. And so they're hearing friends love each other, love each other as family, those in community that love them the way that you want to be treated. It sounds a little bit like what Jesus said when Jesus was walking physically on the earth. Love each other the way you want to be treated. Treat each other the way you want to be treated. Love your neighbor the way that you love yourself. He's pointing back to Jesus and he's saying the love of this community is a mutual love and a way to love each other. We all hope, I hope, we all know how to love ourselves. Or we all know how we need to receive that love for ourselves. And if we don't, 
perhaps after Gary will remember that we could pray into that space for those who don't know how to love themselves. The writer moves on. Remember those in prison. Remember those in prison as if you were there with them. Again, this is, a, this is the writer reminding the reader about community. Because the prison being spoken of in this passage, uh, there's this chamber called the Talianum, where It's about 12 feet below the surface of the earth. It's surrounded by walls and covered by a vaulted roof of stone. And it, it smells disgusting. Because when you're down there, you're down there. There's darkness, there's stink, and this is the sort of chamber that imprisoned the likes of Paul and Peter. If the Hebrews, the Hebrews that were originally dressed in this letter, they would have been familiar with such surroundings. Prisoners were not treated well, and they often had to depend on family and friends to bring them their basic needs. They were allowed in to provide for the, those in prison. And so they would have heard this and they would have remembered, they probably would have known someone that they'd have to take to provide for. These are places of solitude where the writer's encouraging them to go and be community. Don't forget those that can't be with us right now. Supply them what they need. Be with them. Pray for them. Don't forget them. Be their community. Marriage should be honored by all, he goes on to say, and, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Thank you, Gary, for giving me this passage. This speaks to community as well. This speaks because marriage is the relationship that God has given humanity to best point towards the relationship we will have with him. A togetherness, a oneness that brings the best out of us, the best out of humanity. And just like in the day that the Hebrews received this, where marriage was seen as countercultural, so too our marriages need to be countercultural. You know, in the day of the Hebrews, men, and it's particularly men, um, they were encouraged to take on mistresses, uh, concubines, and others, because, like, the man has his wife, so that's the, 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 the family aspect, right? But then the man also has his physical desire, so he needs another person to satisfy that. And some of these men had an emotional connection that they developed with another woman. And so the society is encouraging the men to find their, their familial needs here, their physical needs here, their emotional needs with someone else. And the writer's saying, no. And I am saying, no. That's not what marriage is. Us men, we don't get to divide ourselves. We have one person that we get to share life with. Honor marriage. The marriage bed is for people, the two people who are married to each other and no one else. I don't need to say any more about that, do you? The emotional, physical, and spiritual aspects, we don't get to separate and divide among several people. You're a person, you share life with that other person. And if you're not married, you don't have a marriage bed yet. And so you're engaged in sexual relationships. The Bible is telling you, no, that's not appropriate. And I'm telling you, no, that's not appropriate. 
That's not how we're meant to treat each other in community. We treat each other like people. We don't treat each other as commodities of gratification. And I get to say that because the next passage, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Oh, that's a nice little passage, isn't it? The first part is at least imitating me. I don't know about that. But I love this one because, because we have to say things that are unpopular at times, eh? We have to say things that cut to the culture and go, God's got a better way. And I remember listening to Gary's message two weeks ago. Uh, I, I got the luxury to watch it a couple of times while I was doing the edits. And it was the, when he was focusing on do not give up gathering together. I loved it. Because it's what this passage is telling us too. Don't give up on community. Don't give up on each other. In the last few years, the community of the church worldwide got a big wake-up call about how actually unconnected it was when we're prevented from meeting together in the traditional way that we have. And it was hard, eh? It sucked. And I think it was harder for those in the room who have actually walked a little bit longer uh, in their life with the church because coming to church on Sunday, being part of the body. By the way, Lily, fantastic, fantastic communion getting us together as parts of the body. Good job by you, Lily. Good job by you. But there's the older population of the church... They're here every week. There's something we can learn from that commitment to the body. They're here every week. The older population is worshipping and praying and communing and encouraging and speaking what God is saying to them because they have the relationship and they model that relationship to us, which is what Chris was saying. Doreen, I love you. You're fantastic. And... A number of years, that is hopefully at least 40 from now. Who's going to be the next Doreen, though? When she is with Jesus in community, we need to see how Doreen lives and model that and bring that to build up the next part of community. We are called to share this life together. Because from the generations of the 60s down, church has become an add-on, an optional extra. And I loved how Gary put it. Church once every month? Nah. Church once every six weeks and once online? Nah. That's not the community that Christ calls us together. And Hebrews is written to us to encourage us to stay in community. A community that is gathered because of Christ the one who is supreme, the one who is eternal, the one who saved us, the one through whom we were created. He calls us to community. He empowers us into community because that's where life is found, developed, transformed, and encouraged. What is Jesus saying to you about your community? your part in the community, and how you define this community. 
And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his blood. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Jesus came for the church, for the community of the church, the one he calls his bride, the body we are all invited to be part of. Be part of it. Get involved. Share what he is saying. Share what he is doing. Look at where he is calling you to go and who he is calling you to be. And share that with others to build up the community and to reach out to the community that doesn't know him yet. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.